Welcome to episode eight of Stories from a Bar. I'm your host, Chris Osborne, and joining me for this episode is the Heritage and Education Coordinator from Discover Albany, Maeve McKinney? McKinney. McKinney. Actually, I was married uh, in June, so McKinney Johnson. McKinney Johnson. Yeah. I forgot to ask you how to pronounce that part before, <laughs> before I started. <laughs> That's close enough. So how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic now that I've had a beer and now that I have a second. <laughs> Absolutely. Happy hour is the best. It really is. Uh, first off, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, this is my favorite season. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, what are you drinking? I am drinking, as I said, my favorite season, so I figured a Sam Adams Oktoberfest was completely appropriate. I did not even see that they had that on top. Oh, they, I couldn't find it either. I had to ask specifically, what's your Oktoberfest? And they went, Sam Adam. Uh, oh, I, went, I went with the Lagunitas IPA. Perfect. I enjoy Lagunitas. They've got some good stuff. I do. I am, I'm almost IPA'd fatigued. I'm almost getting to that point. But uh, I will say, once I'm a total beer drinker when it comes to Oktoberfests, um, if, if a beer, the redder a beer is, the happier I am. <laughs> If only that was like hair. If only it was like hair, yes. <laughs> so for this episode, we are hanging out here in the Albany room at Pearl Street Pub. Hopefully there's not too much of an echo as it's a large empty room that we're both sitting in. Uh, right here in downtown Albany. Yeah, they even uh, furnished it. Uh, we've got this tin ceiling and they've put uh, these fake flickering candles around us. It's, it actually looks good. It's, it's pretty eerie. Yes. I haven't been here in quite a while i forgot how large this place actually was yeah there's even an upstairs you know there's like a club area oh the upper yeah room. oh yeah it's been years but i used to come to shows here and everything mm-hmm. yeah i did uh, the they had an improv festival here about a year or two ago oh i saw my sister perform of all things she really does, she does a little improv so yeah it was pretty fun awesome. it's a great space so a big shout out to pearl street pub for letting us record here be sure to stop in grab a drink they have a nice pool table set up get some great food uh, and definitely check out some live tunes. This place definitely has a good live music atmosphere, whether it's up in the main bar or downstairs. Yeah. Well, where do we want to start? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, why don't we start with Discover Albany? Yeah. Um, uh, I mentioned you were the Heritage and Education Coordinator, right? For yes. Discover Albany. That means I wear a lot of hats. Yes. <laughs> um, so the if you don't know where we are, we are down at Quackenbush Square. Uh, that's next door to the Old English Pub, which I think we'll be talking about a little later. Um, we will. Oh, yeah. And then uh, there's a great little museum there. There's also a planetarium. And I'll sometimes, as you hear the education portion, we'll welcome school groups and senior groups and all kinds of folks, um, you know, to, to the visitor center. But it's open seven days a week for anyone interested in learning about the history of Albany or even what to do. And then I switch hats and the heritage coordinator, um, I am the lead coordinator for the cultural heritage and tourism program, CHAT, for the okay. city of Albany. Um, and really what that means is I pull together heritage sites like Schuyler Mansion and Cherry Hill and Tenbrook. Um, most of those we'll talk about again on this. Mm -hmm. And we come up with things to do. Uh, programming that we're all doing that's similar. So if you go to www.albany.org, uh, you can check out our site. Uh, you talked to Craig uh, about yes. last time? Yep. yep. Last podcast. Craig, um, good old Craig Gravina. Craig Gravina, our Albany Ale historian. Yes. Um, and Mr. He, mustache. And Mr. Mustache himself, also sometimes with cool hats. <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, he, he wanted to participate in some beverage history, and his program tied in with other programs that sites were doing. Uh, so food history became a thing, taste and traditions. But of course, that also means um, keeping in mind that Albany is one of the oldest cities in the country, right? We're, it is. Yeah, we've got over a 400-year history. Uh, means that haunted Albany is a pretty appropriate theme. So if you go on albany.org, uh, not only will we talk about my tours today, but you can check out what other sites are doing as well. Awesome. Yeah, sorry, that's a mouthful. <laughs> no, no, that's it's great because, uh, and when I was talking to Craig for the last episode, I found him through the Discover Albany. I don't know if Times Union reposted the yeah. Twitter account or it was it was an ad for the historic brew tours exactly. that you guys organized and he leads. Yeah, so you know, and I try to do some original programming like that and tours. Um, and then Craig's a great partner because he's also really good about telling people, oh, if you're 
interested in what I'm talking about here, go to this site, you know. He was fantastic and quite the history and beer oh nerd. Gosh. Yes, you get him going. Um, you don't even have to give him a pint, but if you give him a pint, well, you'll, you'll learn the He was a thing. happy guy. He's a he was, very happy guy. He was answering questions before I even asked him, and I just sat there and let him go. Well, and that's a lot how those tours came about, is uh, he came to me, he knew that I was working with all these sites, and... I pretty much just let him go, and he talked. Um, he actually showed up with maps. We were at the Allen Street Pub. He showed up with Google Maps. He was showing me where all oh, these wow. sites were, and then I showed him that we could do that on a smartphone just as easily. <laughs> um, I love you, Craig. Sorry. <laughs> but we had a great time, but it was just listening to him talk with a pint in his hand, and it was terribly engaging, so I said... He re yeah, he really does know how to convey the stories and the stuff, and for... Anyone who doesn't know, he was leading these historic brew tours. I mentioned it in the last last podcast that he was on. Uh, I believe it's done for the season now, though. Right? Yes, yeah. but I, I suspect uh, we'll be doing them again next year. That is good to know. It was fantastic. I know they break up into certain parts of downtown Albany, yeah. right? And we did this one immediately downtown, pretty much up and down Pearl Street. Yeah. And I was blown away, actually, by some of the it's, history. It's really incredible uh, that so much of our history is rooted in breweries and alcohol and the sale of alcohol and he talks about how we were some of the first people figuring out alcohol sales right we though there's that absurd story of um peter bronk i think it was talking about how he had a brewery and his wife was selling his beer in the tavern which we know that's like going to the pump station that's going to druthers but it was completely illegal oh yeah and i said to craig i said that makes absolutely no sense and he says well we hadn't figured it out yet <laughs> um, so it was it was really even eye-opening for me how that culture and i think what makes us unusual is that it wasn't so much people you know drinking at home he talks about homebrew people brewing at home but that these early dutch had the sense to make it economic you know yeah. that we could sell it so that's pretty special it is it was uh i definitely recommend the tour if whenever it gets up and going again either yeah. in the spring or next summer yeah usually in the spring okay and that's actually how i ended up meeting you yes who, of course works for discover albany and point of interest for me also handles the ghost tours and so that's my other hat the so, other hat <laughs> yeah, we are actually recording this on october 1st mm -hmm. so it's the i've been waiting I think uh, I started this uh, podcast back in April, I believe, and one of the first ideas I had for an episode was I knew I wanted to do something about hauntings and ghost stories. Really? <clears throat> yeah. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do with the podcast. I just knew once October rolled around, I wanted to do an episode like that. And six months later, here we are. And here we are. And um, <laughs> I'll tell you how we met, too, is we finished the tour, and we went to Albany Pump Station, and we had some Albany Ale, and you heard that I did these uh, ghost tours. Um, you can usually find me under the original Albany Ghost Tour Facebook. And somehow that came up and you asked me oh well tell me a ghost story yes and i and i did it and then you said do you want to be on the podcast and i went oh he just auditioned me <laughs> i didn't even know even, neither did i <laughs> neither did you <laughs> so i guess if i was really terrible at it you would have been like that's nice no i Thanks. probably still would have asked and you probably all right yes <laughs> that's fair <laughs> so how long have you been working with discover albany uh, Discover Albany for three years okay. and telling ghost stories officially um, for just about over 10 years. Oh, wow. uh, it was the original Albany ghost uh, tour, but I told my first ghost story, story when I was six years old. Um, so it's just something that I've always been doing. And you've loved it ever since. And I've loved it ever since. And um, I'm we call ourselves the original Albany ghost tour because it was the first ghost tour um, about historic Albany that we found anyone was doing. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> awesome. And uh, with the, I'm going to do my best to certainly get this podcast up and out to the people as fast as I can sure. so they can be aware of all the ghost tours. But when do the ghost tours run? So uh, there's a few different ghost tours you can do. Uh, the one in Albany is the historic Albany uh, pub crawl. And yes. we do that with Historic Albany Foundation, and we do it with the Tenbrook Mansion, okay. the very haunted Tenbrook Mansion. Oh, and we say. will certainly talk about that <laughs> yeah. in a little bit. Absolutely, and it's very, very cool. Um, so those will start on the 11th. 
October 11th. Okay. And then they will continue uh, Tuesday, Thursdays through October. And I highly recommend you go onto Eventbrite. If you go to Tembrook Mansion's website, you find that Eventbrite because it does sell out. Yes, and actually that's, yeah, that's how I, where I got the ticket for the brew tour, Eventbrite. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, one of the best sites, I think, for anybody who's interested in doing tours or events. Um, Eventbrite's a really handy tool. Awesome. So when I was looking for a place to record this, I had a couple ideas that didn't pan out, and we are, thankfully, Pearl Street Pub let us record here. When I told you we were going to Pearl Street Pub, <laughs> you mentioned a person, you, I believe your immediate response was almost, oh, great, DeWitt Clinton had died there. I did not know who that was, and of course, that's great for the podcast, since this is where, we're, yes. <laughs> where we are recording. Not so great for Mr. Clinton. No. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about some ghost stuff. Absolutely. And Albany yeah. deaths. It is. And if you're walking on Pearl Street, uh, you can actually see a plaque. There is a little plaque in front of the Pearl Street pub uh, that says, you know, DeWitt Clinton, the governor. Uh, this was, as I understand it, a site for the governor's mansion. And this is where he was in Albany. I looked him up briefly after you sent me that name, and it turns out, yeah, he was an American politician, served as U.S. Senator, Mayor of New York City, and the sixth governor of New York, dying yep. suddenly fe February 11th, 1828. 1828. Here he, in Albany, yeah. Yeah, he had uh, what was called the dropsy of the chest, uh, which <laughs> I had to look up myself. I, uh, saw, I read congestive heart failure. Well, and that's what it's actually called. Okay. But back then, <laughs> the dropsy, the of, dropsy the chest. of the chest, uh, but that's, yeah, an inflammation. Uh, but he said that when his doctor told him this could kill you, he said, that's all right. I'm, I don't care. Like, I'm prepared. I'm, he's he, just ready to live out the rest of his life. Which sounds really romantic, except for the fact that when he died, he left his family destitute. Uh, now you're, I did read that, too, yes. Yeah, your and your listeners would be familiar uh, because in, I think, like your fourth or fifth grade curriculum, you heard about Clinton's Ditch. You yep. heard about the, the There's song. There's a bar in Schenectady called Clinton's Ditch. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and that's where it comes from, DeWitt Clinton. That's, oh, okay. Yep. I did not know that. Yes, yeah. And you'll find anytime you see a street named Clinton, we have Clinton Ave here. Yep. You have uh, Clinton Square where McGeary's is. And that's DeWitt Clinton. Okay. That's, that's where that name is coming from. So he was famous because Clinton's ditch, he had this idea for the Erie Canal, right? He, he wanted to dig this crazy canal, I guess. I don't know if there's a more artful way to say it. And they thought he was crazy. It was so expensive. And he said, no, this is going to change transportation. This is going to, uh, our economy, it's, it's going to boom. This is what we need. And it turned out he was absolutely right. Um, and if you go back to Craig's podcast talking about the Erie Canal and mm -hmm. what that even did for our brewery industry, it was revolutionary. Nothing like it had been done. And it was incredible from Albany to Buffalo. Uh, so he's really an innovative, uh, brilliant man. And he did die in this building. And he leaves his family destitute, right? So even though he had this foresight... He just, his own personal finances, eh, he didn't yeah. care much. And we were, <laughs> it was funny, we were setting up and talking to Alice, the GM here at Pearl Street Pub, who was helping us get set up, mentioning it just recently started where the elevator door in this room randomly opening yeah. with no one in the elevator or by it. So how she, the... She said she hasn't had any experiences, but... No, and I, I find people who work in buildings consistently, um, they tend to say that if there is an entity here, they leave them alone. That's Tembrook Mansion. That's any of the ones they say, well... I feel like that's almost Ghost 101. It's Ghost... Well, yeah. Don't, don't break out the Ouija board and try to screw with the ghosts. No, 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 no. But uh, what's... Uh, but how the tours, so I've been doing this pub crawl now. Um, this is my third year with Historic Albany Foundation in Tenbrook, but I've been doing it for four years. But how that tour started, uh, we called it Hops and Haunts. We were with another tour company. Hops and Haunts, I like that. Hops and Haunts, and it was with um, my partner in the original Albany Ghost Tour, Paul Nooney. Okay. And we started doing these tours with the old Albany Aqueducts, and we had a trolley tour. And so that was the first iteration of mm -hmm. this tour. 
And we'd show up at bars after the tours, because that's what you do yeah. after a tour. It's what you do after just about anything. Just about fine. anything, to celebrate, to toast. Uh, but we were younger and spryer, and we'd be in makeup and costumes. <laughs> so we'd show up at these pubs, and people would say to us, like, what are you doing? And we said, we just gave a ghost tour. And you wouldn't believe the people who say, oh, well, did you know this place is haunted? Or let me tell you mm-hmm. what happened to me. Um, so that's how Hops and Haunts started because it spawned all these other stories. We had oh, enough wow. that we had an offshoot. So I loved. Um, I feel like if you look around enough, you can certainly find something yeah. paranormal e. <laughs> well, and that's what was fun about talking to Alice is you know she's walking through, she's setting this up, and I said, "Is it haunted?" She didn't say no. She kept talking in the plural of like, well, they, they leave me alone, which who's they? And then she demurred and told us that the elevator has... Mr. Clinton. And I said, I said, well, there's Mr. Clinton. Exactly. Playing with the elevator. It's got to be. There's <laughs> no other explanation whatsoever. At least in October. That's my rule. People always say, do you believe in ghosts? It's I'm the like, one month a year where there is yeah. no other explanation. No. Nope, it's a ghost. Well, it's, November 1st rolls around. It's an electrical problem. It's an electrical <laughs> problem. And I find most people on the tours are like that. For however long I have you, that hour to hour and a half, it's all real because it's fun and it's October. It, it is fun. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some of the other places around Albany here. I know if you do just a quick Google search, like I mm-hmm. like I procrastinated and did last night, uh, the Capitol building is definitely mm. the main one that seems to come up a lot. Yes, uh, and the uh, author of that tour, um, and they do tours through October, uh, they are free, but you absolutely need to make a reservation um, at empirestateplaza.org. Right. Um, but that tour is written by Stuart Lehman, and it's my absolute favorite ghost tour. And I was lucky enough when I was a Capital Tour Guide, I used to do that one. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, so if you Google, you'll see me in the Cape giving that tour. And my favorite story from there, most people know about the Night Watchman, Sam Abbott. Um, yeah, that was the first one that comes up, seems to be the most famous yes. ghost story in uh, relation. And he, he died in the fire of 1911. So most of the spooky things that happened there, they associate with him. Uh, the only thing I can tell you that happened to me was on a ghost tour, of course. I was in the hallway where he passed away, where they found his body. And as I was telling the story, there was a... F- door that held a fire hose and in the middle of the story it busted open really and so that's the only thing i could say for sam but i have another story that i love and you'll see why it's my favorite fantastic and there's why we're here yes so when you go into the assembly chamber uh the new york state assembly chamber has a ceiling that is the third ceiling yes the original ceiling was vaulted is this about an artist Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes, William Morris Hunt. I don't want to jump ahead in the story. No, no, it's not fine. Okay. Um, So it had these vaulted ceilings that were the tallest attempted vaulted ceiling in the world. Really? Attempted, right? (laughs) Underline that word. Uh, But they also had these beautiful murals. And the murals were painted by a man named William Morris Hunt. And he slaved over these murals. He'd go in, he worked late at night and there's theories that being there late at night actually ravaged his health but he didn't care like he wanted he painted them right on the stone dedicated to his art dedicated to his literally (laughs) well as you will see he uh so he was so proud and when they revealed the new assembly chamber it was they raved about the art it was absolutely beautiful and he was all excited to be the capital artist but the capitol building is the most expensive capitol building in the country to this day Really? Yes. So uh, Governor Black is looking at this, uh, and he says, like, this is ridiculous. We cannot afford this. No more art. So here, William Morris Hunt has... Now, how long ago do you... I would have to double-check the year on that again. A homework assignment for listeners. Yes. (laughs) So he... I mean, I would say that the Governor Black... I mean, 1899 is when it was completed. Uh, The second ceiling is... Well, excuse me, the third ceiling would be after 1911, so sometime before there. So Governor Black, uh, you know, he fires William Morris Hunt, and he's completely, this is devastating. 
and he goes to his friends to sort of recoup his health, but he always fought with depression. So we don't know whether it's the depression, we don't know if it's the failing health, but one day he went for a walk before breakfast, he didn't come back, and they, they found him washed up. He went, there was like a little riverbed or lake. And oh, wow. He was washed up on shore, and his umbrella that he used as a cane snapped in half. So we don't know, was it, was it suicide or did he fall? We, we don't know. Now, the ghost story. They, they did have ghost hunters a number of years ago mm-hmm. in, in the capital. They didn't know much of the history, just enough, and they probably were looking for Sam Abbott. Now, they're in the assembly chamber, which does not have a vaulted ceiling because it started to quickly, as the building settle, crack, and it was not stable, and even the murals um, are washing away because they painted it right on the wall. So they had to drop the ceiling, covering the murals, uh, so you you can't see them them today. So that's another thing. William Morris Hunt, his murals are lost. They're lost to history. Which is one of the reasons people think he committed suicide, right? Perhaps. He died before the murals were covered. Oh, okay. So that is one thing. Uh, he died before the murals were covered. However, you know, it is sort of interesting. That's when they begin to fade and yeah. crack. So these ghost hunters come in, and they use EVP, electronic voice phenomenon. Yep. Uh, so it's like static, and you pick up the voices. And they caught a voice that said, William Morris is behind the door. Really? And it was a tour guide who raised their hand and said, well, the artist is William Morris Hunt. But here's my theory. Was it William Morris Hunt saying it, you know, trying to get people to look at the murals because their fragments now go up to that cryptic space? But my theory is there's somebody else who died in the assembly chamber. Uh, His name was Cormac McWilliams. Was he a fruit vendor? He was not the fruit vendor. Okay. No, he was not the fruit vendor. Uh, vendor. He was a mason, and as we mentioned, the ceiling is collapsing, right? So they have to um, cover the vaulted ceiling, right? So uh-huh. they're they're working on it. And Cormac Williams, it's a Friday night. Everybody's tired. He's like, "Go home. I'll finish up, right? I'll see you Monday morning. I'll yeah. finish up." And they come back Monday morning, and Cormac had dropped from the ceiling onto his back. And oh, I wow. wish I could say he died, but it actually took him months to die from oh. that fall. So he's left over the weekend. So people just walked in and found him yeah. laying on his back? So is it the trauma from the fall, right, that, that traps his <clears throat> spirit there? And the reason I think it could be Cormac is because he's my cousin. Oh, yes. twist. He is my cousin, Cormac <laughs> Williams. Uh, and so, yeah, so I like to think that perhaps it's my cousin, Cormac. So you have quite the deep Albany connection. I do. I'm seventh generation Albany. So wow. we've got a couple of spirits probably still hanging around. So what was this then about a fruit vendor I read that also committed suicide? Yeah, that story is gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best kind. It is super gross. Uh, so depending on your tour guide, um, the so you have to keep in mind, people didn't have YouTube. They didn't have the internet. So reading the newspaper was pretty much how you yeah. saw everything. Well, uh, so that sounds... Can't yeah. imagine that. Uh, no. so, Must so, have been really hard times. So, well, so the fruit seller, uh, you know, he sort of like, you have to think about it today, we have outside the Capitol, we have our street vendors, right? Yeah. We have the food truck. So he's like an early food truck. Of course. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, you know, he wasn't uh, making money anymore. You know, it wasn't, the fruit stand was not sustainable. So he went into the Senate staircase. So when you go into the Capitol, it's... Um, there's the million dollar staircase, the Senate and the assembly staircase. So this is the brown sandstone staircase that is not the million dollar staircase. So Mm -hmm. he goes in there and he jumped and they have the newspaper clipping is horrific that women watched him drop. Oh no. And when you say drop, it was from the fourth floor. Yeah. From from what I read back in 1890. And back in 1890, he jumped uh, but the description in the newspaper describes his head cracking like a runny egg. It's, wow, it's, that seems slightly unnecessary. It's heinous. It is so gross. Now, here's the eerie thing. My first year when I was doing the Capitol Ghost Tours, which at this point might be five years ago, uh, when I would tell the story, I would point to a spot where I assumed he dropped, and I had a long string where people were not standing in that spot. So I'd mm-hmm. have a group of you know, 30 people, and they'd all be crowded around me listening to a story, and yet there'd be a gap. 
there'd be a suspicious gap. If there wasn't a gap, there was one person standing there who later, when I told the story of Sam Abbott, the night watchman, was standing in the place really? where Sam Abbott was found. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? That so I don't know weird. if they were drawn to it or I don't know. It was a very weird year. Wow. All right. So moving on, yeah, the Capitol building was definitely one of the first things to come up when I was looking into like ha- Albany hauntings and things like yeah. that. And then, of course, there's Tenbrook Mansion. Oh, and that's my home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the board there at Tenbrook, um, and they were one of the first people when I started giving ghost stories, ghost tours, uh, they were one of the first people to embrace me to be like, well, come to our house. That's awesome. And for anyone who doesn't know, it, Tenbrook Mansion built in 1797. Mm-hmm. For General Abraham Tenbrook and yep. his wife Elizabeth Van Rensselaer, right? That is correct. All right. Yep. And I uh, know something. And it was the second uh, Tenbrook Mansion. Uh, the original one was oh. in the Pastures neighborhood. Um, so you know, think about sort of the uh, South End area mm-hmm. called the Pastures because okay. pastures. But there was a horrible fire, horrible fire that destroyed that home, and so they. Uh, moved what was considered outside the city line at that point up on a hill that they, uh, yeah, that they they lived in. And so they would have had this beautiful pastures and whatnot. It was really lovely. Oh, wow. Yeah. As I was looking up Tenbrook Mansion, I stumbled across an article back from 2011 talking about an investigation the Tri-City New York Paranormal Society did there. Yeah, Gary and my buddies. Oh, okay, you're friends with them. (laughs) Oh, I'm absolutely, yeah. Awesome, of course. Uh, So, And also, um, if you look at some of the dates for the pub crawl, we do have a couple of dates with Gary and Tri-City New York Paranormal where you can do your pub crawl and then you could do a ghost hunt with them. Awesome. Yeah. The best part about the article, though, was it included an EVP that they recorded. Yeah, which one? It was supposedly thought of as a child's spirit whispering, I'm downstairs. <laughs> Which is interesting. And I, I listened to it, and it was pretty creepy, I have to admit. And uh, now I'm going to reveal this on your podcast, new story. Breaking. Breaking ghost story is uh, we currently have people working in the house. You know, it's an old house. We're constantly doing restoration. And we have uh, these Irish brothers who are working on the house. Okay. I like it already. Yep. And they they didn't know that the house is haunted. Awesome. And they came to the executive director, Sam, and said, is this place haunted? And one thing they heard, uh, they kept hearing voices, one of which was a child. How long were they there before they came and asked? Uh, pretty just they've been there a couple weeks so they've probably okay. been working there a week or two all right so it didn't take that long no it did not take that long I was actually pretty surprised <laughs> normally oh. it's like from the stories that are here are people that are familiar with the house but these guys came in and it was they had a ton of stories of lights turning on and voices really? and getting grabbed oh wow they they really like these Irish boys so <laughs> <laughs> we are quite nice they are quite nice right <laughs> That was good. They, I also read they detected what sounded like a man saying, go away in the kitchen area. So, uh, as I mentioned, I've been doing ghost tours for 10 years yes. and more, right? Because uh, we talked a little bit. My father is a local historian. He is. Which meant that I had no interest in anything history, right? I didn't want anything <laughs> to do with that's it. That's how it works. That's how it works. But he would be smart, and he would bring me to places like Tenbrook, and I'd be like, ugh, another old house. And he'd be like, oh, it's haunted. And I'd be like, what do you mean it's haunted? And he had a story, um, and I'm going to pull this back to the EVP, how we've gotten stories over the years that we're able to connect into bigger, yeah. greater stories. So he told me about a psychic who came to the house one time, long time ago, and it was a terrible psychic, like striking out, goes through each room and is like, somebody's died here. And he's like, no, <laughs> just strike out, strike out, strike out. But they decide to go into the attic and it must have been a slow day. And they're like, sure, bring them to the attic. And she sees a portrait of a man with a billy goat beard. Right. And she goes, oh, that's him, that's him. It was, that's the man that I'm hearing. And really? he's really upset because his, his portrait's not hanging in uh, the Daughters of the American Revolution room, which is a room there. There's a mantle. Um, you, you need to put his portrait back up. And they're like, oh, uh-huh. Wow. They're like, yeah, okay, go away, right? But then they're going through the archives, and sure enough, they see the picture of the man with the billy goat beard over the mantle. So they put it up. Now, 
when we tell this story on the tour, you'll look behind me and it's a picture of George Washington Mm -hmm. right now. So it's one of those stories passed on that, oh, what happened? Well, then they do this EVP, right? This electronic voice phenomenon. And this voice, which has a guttural robotic sound, is saying, go away, go away. Ah. And then later, the same EVP, they play that same voice, comes back, and you hear a hunter ask something like, you know, who are you, a ghost hunter? And they, the first time I heard it was with a group of people. They were doing the reveal. And the crowd thought the robotics, creepy, guttural voice said, oh, my God, with this T. And really? everybody's thinking, like, oh, it's, it's a Dutch accent. Yeah. He's saying, oh, my God, that's what's happening. But the author of the Capitol Ghost Tour was sitting next to me, Stuart Lehman. He goes, no, 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 no. Not saying, oh, my God, Alcott. So who are you? Alcott. Oh, wow. So the third family that lived in the home, and really it was their family home. They're the ones, we call it Tembrook Mansion, Mm -hmm. but it was really the Alcott home. That's who lived there. Uh, And the patriarch was Thomas Alcott. So that's pretty creepy, and I connect that story. Uh, We were doing inventory. I'm on the board there, and I found the portrait of the man with the billy goat beard. Did you really? Who is Thomas Alcott. Oh, wow. So why would he be mad? Because we're messing with his stuff. We moved the portrait. We're all over the place. So, Wow. Yeah. So that's three different ghost stories that kind of pull together to tell one complete picture, really. That it is pretty amazing when you get different people's accounts. Those are my favorite. Uh, there's also the stories of the woman in white, who's probably the more popular. Um, well, what, what was that one? That's at Tembrook Mansion. Okay. Uh, and if your listeners are ghost aficionados, women in white are pretty common spirits. Yeah. Like everybody's got yep. one. But what I love about the woman in white is they, the paranormal reveal with Tri-City Paranormal, that first mm-hmm. one in 2011 they got a smoky image um, on the camera of like what looked like a woman in white looking out the window, which, you know, if you're a skeptic, was it a smudge? Was it? But what was so interesting is the crowd got a little murmury and it turned out the crowd were like made up of neighbors or people whose parents live there. And they, a lot of people started raising their hand being like, I've seen her or my parents did. And again, last week, um, my cousin, who is an Albany police officer, not really knowing I did ghost tours, Mm -hmm. uh, he confirmed without me leading that, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a woman in white that I used to see. I used to see her. Wow. So those are my favorite when you get all those different people who sort of tell the same story. (sighs) All right. (laughs) So moving on. Uh, In my search, I also came across Cherry Hill Mansion. Yeah. Uh, built also uh, built by the Van Rensselaer family as well. I mm-hmm. saw. Yeah, they're all over. <laughs> they they really are. Yeah, it's a with the Trudes. Huge part of Albany. Absolutely, yeah. And um, so, what they're uh, famous for was murder. Was the murder at Cherry Hill? Uh, that is another tour that you can take, but it does. It might even already be sold out. It's usually the last weekend or last two weekends in October? The old murder tour, as you refer to it. And that's what they call it, the murder tour. (laughs) It is um, the the murder at Cherry Hill. And um, I also will do that one. I volunteer just because uh, it's so spooky and so scary. And uh, that one starts in 1827. And it takes, there's a man named John Whipple. Yes. And he marries a girl named Elsie Van Rensselaer, right? So he marries into the Van Rensselaer family. Um, She's very young, uh, scandalously young. And uh, there's also a uh, a groundskeeper, a keeper by the name of Jesse Strang. Okay. So Jesse Strang... See, I know the names. I didn't know he was the groundskeeper, though. Yeah, he worked there. So, you know, I'm sure a historian from Cherry Hill will be specific, but he, he worked on the grounds. And Elsie and Jesse fall madly and passionately in love. But the, As the beginning of any good ghost story goes. Exactly. Uh, but, of course, we have the problem of Mr. Whipple. So there's, a, there's always a third wheel. So, logically, what do you need to do? 
Murder. Murder him, right? That's first thing I think of, by far. Obviously, you got to take care of it. So it's a, uh, the two of them conspire. And so the Murder at Cherry Hill tour takes place on that night. And they actually walk you through exactly what happened that night, uh, where the people in the house were uh, at that same time when that shot was fired. Because Jesse climbed up a tree, he fired his gun uh, through a window, and he kills Whipple on the second floor. Then he jumps, and from what I understand, there was, you know, word traveled really quick. Mm-hmm. There's been a murder, and he joined that mob, and he sobs louder than everyone, you know, when they, they have... Like anyone trying to cover up their crime? Exactly. Like total crocodile tears. I think he even, when he sees the body, he, like, he's, like, dramatically, you know, oh, my God, you know, he's... <laughs> but we quickly figure out that, all right, Jesse, we know you did it. So he's arrested. And this is quite the thing because this is, as you said, the Van Rensselaers. I mean, even you just looking, they're everywhere. Yeah. They're rich. This is like a big... Albany is, royalty. Well, Albany royalty, and it's a sex scandal, right? So this The best is kind. The best kind. And as we talked about, you know, there's no YouTube or anything. Nope. So people cannot get enough of it. And Elsie, uh, I mean, she, she was conspiring. She's pretty guilty, but she's rich... And she pulls the, like, oh, I could never, I was seduced. Money solves a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. She just, she said, I was seduced. He was a cad. I, I, he convinced me to do it. Um, but there's evidence that, you know, she was looking at poison. I think she bought the gun that he used. Like, it's, she was What's, told. What time frame was this? Do you, you uh, So 1827. Okay. Maybe yep, 1827. Okay. Now, so Jesse Strang is sentenced to hang. And he, and I'm not making that joke, I mean, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And he goes to, um, he's the last public execution in Albany. Really? Yep, he's, and it, cause like thousands upon thousands of people came to witness this. And his father was actually selling his confession in the crowd. Wow. Um, and you think like, oh, how, how gross, but Jesse actually abandoned a family to come to Albany. So there's also like, is this is the only way they're going to get money to provide that family he abandoned? Yeah. So as for spirits, you know, they, in the murder at Cherry Hill, they say that, you know, they haven't really felt anything necessarily. They say if there were spirits, you know, would it be John Whipple who was murdered there? Uh, would it be Elsie or even Jesse? I know from, at least from what I, the very little I read, it was claimed to be haunted by the ghost of Strang and Wimple. Yes, Wimple. Uh, that's what I've heard too. Elsie seems to have died with a clean conscience. She's just kind of moved right on. She Again, was money helps everything. Money helps everything. Now, where I've heard about the spirit of Jesse Strang um, is the Empire State Plaza, which is about where Gallows Hill would have been. Okay. And so they describe a man in a cloak and a top hat and when I would do the ghost tours on the trolley, we'd have a man in a cloak and a top hat walking around. But uh, I did a little teaser, like in one of my promos, you know, mm-hmm. who's the man in the top hat? And again, my buddy Stuart Lehman at the Capitol calls me. He goes, what are you talking about with that? And he says, because I just got a call from a woman who's reading your promo. She thought it was mine, but it's not. And she claimed that it was daytime. She's at the plaza. There's all these people around. And she saw a man with a cloak and a top hat looking right at her. Oh, wow. And she looks to her left. She looks to her right. There's nobody else seems to be acknowledging that there's like a cosplayer in like the middle of the (laughs) Empire State Plaza. And she went to go like tell her girlfriend. But when she turned, he was gone. And it always sort of unsettled her. And she thought maybe it was a trick of the eye. And then she read our promo and was like, what is going on so that was the only recent uh story i heard about that one but it's around eagle street um that i think most people that i've read that they've spotted him cherry hill mansion yes Mm -hmm. that was the big story i heard from them yeah and i also stumbled across a couple other things mainly hattie the hitchhiker yeah i stumbled across Albany's Graceland Cemetery, yeah. I believe, right? I'm pretty sure these are all my articles, if I think about it. Fantastic. <laughs> so I'm talking to the perfect person. Yes, um, that's the one when you're the original Albany Ghost Tour. So Hattie is a tricky one uh, because, so it's Hattie the Hitchhiker, as it says. So the thing about it is that's another, as we talk about woman in white, the hitchhiker story is 
like everybody has it. We're going to tell the story and somebody else will say, that's in my town. Everybody says they have the origin of the hitchhiker story. Um, I think it's Louis uh, Jones, um, who's a local folklorist, claims that he thinks we have the origin of it. So I'm just going to put that out there, though. Okay. So people say, wait a minute, I know that story. Yeah, you probably do. It's an urban legend. But our version of it. Hey, they wouldn't have made movies about urban legends if they weren't true. That's right. Well, even this Hattie the Hitchhiker, uh, for your millennial listeners, uh, there's an episode. <sighs> there's an episode of Are You the Afraid of the Dark? Ooh, I remember that yep. show. That was and a great show. And there's a Hattie the Hitchhiker episode. Was and, there really? And that's when I learned about it. Is that was one of the few Nickelodeon shows my dad would watch oh, with me. Oh man, I need to go back and try mm-hmm. to find that. Yep. And he turned to me when we watched it, and he goes, "This story started in Albany." Ooh. Yep. So, I'm doing that tonight. Yes, I'm sure. It's easy to find on YouTube or something. But they. Thank you, YouTube. <laughs> and copyright. How'd they get back? How'd they get by back then? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we watched anything. So the story takes place in Graceland Cemetery. So when you're going down Delaware Avenue, you're heading towards Del Mar, there's a cemetery. Yep. And the story goes there was a man driving, and he sees a beautiful, sad girl in a beautiful dress, and she's shivering with her thumb out. And at this time, it's uh, not such a dangerous thing, I guess, to pick up hitchhikers, so no problem. Oh, well, back in the day. Back in the day. I don't know what the time... I forgot, again, well, what, if so there was a time frame And that's the something. thing with the hitchhiker story. Depending what era you're telling it, it gets earlier. Okay. So for our audience, it is, you know, we say, oh, sometime in the 50s or the 60s. But there's hitchhiker stories that take place with, like, a horse and carriage, you know? Yeah. So... I think it's pretty much any storyteller you add like 25 to 30 years ago, 40 years ago. (laughs) Like that's just how these urban legends go. But she's in a beautiful prom dress and he pulls over and she's shivering and she's cold and she's quiet, but he does get that her name is Hattie. Mm -hmm. And he says, where do you live? And it turns out she lives on the corner of Madison and Lark, where Savoy Tavern is today. Okay. So he drives her, and even though she's quiet, he thinks she's beautiful, and he's smitten, and he gives her her, his coat, because he's a gentleman, keep her warm. Of course. And she goes into the house. So he's trying to think of an excuse. How can I meet this girl again? Aha, she took the coat in with her. Mm -hmm. So... The next day, he like puts on his Sunday shoes, his Sunday best, and he goes in and he knocks on the door, and an old lady answers. And he goes, you know, he's trying to be charming, like, I'm here to pick up your daughter, right? He thinks he's being cute. But she, uh, tears go into her eyes. She goes, I don't have a daughter. So he thinks he was played, like this was some kind of joke. So he starts to go away, and she goes, wait a minute. As in, she ghosted him? She, oh, <laughs> that is so stolen for every tour. Strike one and for then, the pun. Uh, I love it. All right. Uh, so she she pulls him, you know, she says, well, why are you here? And so he talks about Graceland Cemetery, the girl in the prom dress, and dropping her off. And she gets really emotional and goes, well, my daughter Hattie was killed by a drunk driver on her way back from the prom. I think you just brought her home. Oh, wow. So he's completely creeped out by this, right? There's, there's got to be a joke. So he gets back into his car. He goes back towards Del Mar. And he doesn't know why, but he takes that detour into Graceland. He doesn't know why. He gets out, and he's wandering the graves. And sure enough, he finds a stone. And sure enough, he sees his coat draped over Hattie's stone. Wow. Yes. So uh, so that's an urban legend, but you can trace it back. But as you say, like what year, depends on your storyteller. I, yeah. bet, I bet when my niece uh, tells it, you know, it'll be back in the early 90s. Oh, that, <laughs> that makes, oh, that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I think the important thing to take away is I need to get credit for that joke when you tell it on your tour. I will. <laughs> and I will direct them back to the podcast, you know, premiered Abs- here. Absolutely. Pun. Pun premiere. 
pun <laughs> premiere. Uh, let's talk about the Quackenbush House, oh, where yeah. the old English pub sits the currently. Old, yes, uh, and I would say, unless Pearl Street Pub uh, comes back with something else, that the Quackenbush House is the most haunted pub in Albany. Ooh. So uh, it dates back officially to 1736. Yep, and the great part about this is I actually know some of this since I went on the historic brew tour. That's right, <laughs> yes. And as you can say, there's some people, parts of it could be even older, or the, but we know at least the Quackenbushes were living there from the 1680s, uh, which is pretty incredible. And uh, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, they did a beautiful restoration of the home. But again, as we talk about how the Hops and Haunts tour sort of evolved, uh, this haunted pub crawl, is I then realized I had enough to do a walking tour, so mm -hmm. I would show up at the Old English pub, and at that time, another Irishman, uh, Seamus was the manager. Why is there always an Irishman named Seamus? Right, he was... I feel like it's such a stereotype, it seems like. It's true, well, but unlike the stereotype, where most of my Irishmen in the ghost stories are very superstitious, this Seamus was not. He really? did not believe in ghosts. When I would come in, he'd be like, go away, Maeve. We're not talking about this. Okay. But then I would start to come in, and I'm wearing him down. He'd say, well, I don't believe him. But my staff, they have stories. So the stories at first were a little lame. They were like, you know, oh, no, there's bread ghost, and he knocks the bread off of the shelf. And you're <laughs> like, cool, ghost. right? Uh, the lights flicker on and off. You're like, okay, well, it's an old building. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. The one that was weird was they said, you know, oh, I, uh, when you look in the mirror, sometimes it's not your face, but you kind of rub your eyes and then it's your face again. So okay. I was like, all right, that's, that's something. Getting my attention a little bit. So I go back again and there's Seamus now is a little less terse. He's like, well, well, I still don't believe, but I was closing up one night and I'm, you know, with a friend of mine and she looked over at the staircase and if you know Old English, uh, the staircase going up to the second floor, there's like a, yep. a wall that, you know, the people do kind of disappear once they go up to the mm -hmm. second floor. But they saw a shadow hand reach out, grab the banister, and slip away. Really? Now, the friend streaked. Seamus looked, nobody there. So, all right, that's a little better. So then I see Seamus again, um, and this time uh, he directed me to Frank, who I believe now owns uh, Lock and Key. Oh, wow. And uh, he says that, you know, he was, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, well, here's the thing. I will say, I don't remember if this was Frank's story or if Frank uh, sometimes would crash my pub crawl and tell the story for me. So I will, <laughs> I'm going to qualify that, that I've heard the story from Frank. All right. Uh, but he, you know, but one of their bartenders was working late at night. Uh, again, always when you're closing. Mm -hmm. and it's never in the middle of the day where it's convenient. Never in the middle of the day, unless you're in the Empire State Plaza and there's okay. cosplayers yeah. walking around. But yes. <laughs> they, so, and you're drunk, cause, and then you think the cosplayers are the ghosts. Well, right. I hope not midday. That's terrible. Well, I mean, if you got nothing better to do. <laughs> That's true. So he's uh, trying to close up, and he goes down to the basement, and he sees a girl in a dress run and hide in the corner behind like a cooler or the boiler which you know it's so late this guy is so tired and he wants to go home and he thinks it's like a drunk college girl in a dress I don't know but she's mm -hmm. hiding so he goes to shoo her away and there's nobody there Oh well. so now I'm, I'm getting somewhere right I got all these little pieces uh so the second year we started doing the pub crawl just for timing uh, I didn't stop at the old English pub you know, it just, it just wasn't working out. Mm -hmm. And some advertising went out. So I'm walking down Quackenbush Square, and Seamus sees me, and he runs out, and he points at me, and he goes, who's running this pub crawl? We are the most haunted pub in the city. Oh, so he Why was all about it now. And then he was all about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they, you know, I was there actually after the, the neighborhood yep. tour, and the, you know, Seamus uh, isn't the manager there anymore, but the staff there are pretty, they don't like to be there alone. They do feel like that there's really? something over their shoulder. They'll be down in the basement. They hear somebody call their name, and there's nobody there, so... They, they do seem to feel, whether they believe in ghosts or not, and those, are again, are some of the more credible ones where they say, there's something here. I don't know what it is. I don't know that I believe, 
but I'm not alone here. Something's off. Something's off. Oof. But not dangerous, and that's no. the one thing. And that's outside of Jesse Strang. Um, most of the stories that I'm thinking of, you know, nobody ever feels like Except dangerous. for the murder tour. But the murder tour, Jesse Strang is pretty awful. Elsie <laughs> uh, Whipple. Who would have great. thought with a name like murder tour? But the murder tour, yeah. Yes. <laughs> So I know those were the places I came across. Were there any other stories of the viewers that are favorites that we didn't touch on? Let's see. Um, I can wrap up with one more because okay. uh, I, I don't get to tell it too often because it's a little uh, further uh, uptown. So our pub crawl that yep. we do leaves from Tembrook Mansion, and it does lower downtown. But I'm just going to, again, it's another urban legend, and I'm just going to tell it. Let's be- do it. Because... When I tell this story, there are locals who can actually finish the sentence when I tell it. So okay. it's just one of those things that your grandmother knows. I'm intrigued. So the uh, the state education building, right, which is across the street from the Capitol building. Yep. It's got uh, 36 Corinthian columns. It's the longest freestanding columnade in the United States. Uh, one of the tragedies about this building, um, it was built for the State Museum and the State Library because the archives were in the Capitol building. And this was one of the largest collection of books and manuscripts and documents um, in the country. Um, I might even say the world. Like, it was incredible. And uh, everything was boxed up in the Capitol, and it was going to go across the street to the State Ed building. Mm-hmm. But construction was delayed. So it didn't open until like 1912. The fire of 1911 occurred in the Capitol building. Yeah. Torched those documents. And um, Sam Abbott. And, and Sam Abbott. So you lost your documents. You lost Sam Abbott. But they compare it to, um, it's maybe New York historians do, but like the fire of Alexandria. Like we, oh, wow. we lost um, countless priceless documents. Uh, so they're delayed in construction with, uh, with this building. So the story goes is that there was an Italian stonemason and an Irish foreman. And the stonemason was, they're quickly pouring cement, they're trying to get this done. And the stonemason, the Italian stonemason, fell face first into the cement as it was being poured. Mm-hmm. So obviously the, the friends want to stop the cement, we, we got to get them. And the Irish foreman lifted his hand and said, keep pouring. And they what? buried uh, this mason alive. He willingly was buried by well, what cement? I'm, I would assume the cement was sticky. Okay. I think it's more that his friends. So didn't he thought stop he it. wasn't. They weren't going to get him out. No, have you not seen Looney Tunes? Like you fall <laughs> into the cement. Of course, <laughs> that's, that's the rules. You fall in cement. Looney it's Tunes like laid it out perfectly years ago. Yes, you fall in cement. It's over. It's over. You're done, and you can't stop just, the pouring. You just accept it. It would ruin it. And let everyone else live their lives. Exactly. Okay. So, I feel like such a fool. You, right. So that's, that's how we learn these things. It is. So, uh, the, uh, but now here's the story then, right? So we have this, this sort of ethnic story that people have passed on. Now, the, uh, the basement of the State Ed building is called the Dungeon. Like that's what people okay. who work there. It's called the dungeon. Fantastic. But everybody I've met who works there are like, it's totally haunted. Um, they call the entity that's in there Jason, mm-hmm. which is not a very Italian name. But, no, not at all. But that is what they call him. His name is Jason. But they usually probably send interns down there. People talk about it being unusually cold. You get kind of a sad feeling when you're down in the dungeon. I mean, Basements yeah. aren't always the most happy place to be in, in nope. general. And they say, though, that luckily, even though you get kind of sad and creeped out, um, the spirit is friendly. So they'll talk about, like, you're looking for a book or you're trying to finish something up and the book you need, like, pops off the shelf. <laughs> so, you know, or the page, like, you're flipping through, you rub your eyes, and then you look down and, oh, there it is. There's okay. the page I'm looking for. If I was a ghost, I would screw with people and such. I mean, Rid- happy and ridiculous ways. Of course, absolutely. Well, and that's and so far, like I said, I don't know. If you're looking for something, I'd throw it at him. Oh, see, that's not a, that's what we call a poltergeist. Okay, so you'd be, be a more pol- of a poltergeist. You would be a poltergeist. I yeah. would be. <laughs> it would be fun to torment people in that scenario. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and that's sort of the I'm the worst people to give 
ghost tours because I'm in that mansion and every bump, every creak, I'm like running out the door. But uh, I, used <laughs> I mean, well, if I'm alive, yes, I'd be running out the door at that too. <laughs> but, but I had some fun with uh, Paul Nooney, my co-guide, you know, knocking on things or sneaking up on them. I mean, you can't help that. <laughs> That's what's so fun about these, right? It is. Let me ask you this. Do you think animals can sense paranormal activity? Uh, so I have heard that. You know, there are stories of, you know, people blame. I mean, I have a cat, and they're just weird. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, now, did you just notice the elevator? I heard something. Yeah. And there's no one else in the room. And there's no one else in the room. Nobody would have pushed that button. I don't see it lighting up, though. All right. Hopefully, you leave this alone. All right. Anyway, uh, yes, I think think anything... I, I see my cat go chasing after things. Uh, one time, though, I thought they were acting weird, and they were focused, hyper-focused on my kitchen, and I kept making fun of them, like, what are you seeing, ghosts? A raccoon broke into my house. Ooh. So maybe there's that. That doesn't sound okay. <laughs> so maybe don't go for the ghost first. Well, <laughs> I ask because sometimes we catch our dog, Zoe, She'll be doing something, and then she'll just stop and randomly stare in a direction. Mm. So I'm not quite sure if she's mentally challenged or if we should be moving. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, so long as it's not menacing the dog. No, she stops and stares for a little while, and I'm leaning towards... Maybe she ate some paint chips or something when she was a pup before we adopted her. No, she's going to eat a ghost pet. Okay. (laughs) So we need to move then. That's that's what I hear. (laughs) Uh, to wrap up, I actually had a listener question. Okay. Yes, but it's not about Albany. It's more about Schenectady, so I don't know okay. what your knowledge is on Schenectady. We talked a little bit prior to the podcast. Sure. But from Anthony Rossi, host of Video Game Crosstalk, obviously in Schenectady, the stockade is mm-hmm. the rather historic and haunted part of the town. So he says, so this is more Schenectady, but anything related to the stockade getting repeatedly burned down during the early days of our nation? Yeah. I know it was burned down a number of times, like 60 to 70 people murdered at another time. Or... There's something going on in Schenectady. There really um, is. And they've got uh, some really some really beautiful ghost stories, and I wish I were... I heard the elevator again. It got louder that time. It got louder that time. So, woo. Uh, so I feel th- a little cooler now. I don't think DeWitt Clinton wants us talking about Schenectady. No. He's like, no. He's, nope, Albany or nothing. Albany or nothing. So I wish I had more uh, specific stories. Proctor's has a, a really, they have a really wonderful ghost stories um, that they, uh, theaters tend to be sort of hotbeds for the paranormal. Mm-hmm. You know, actors don't want to take a final bow. Uh, what I would recommend, um, a friend of mine, uh, Matt Millette, who's also um, a DeWitt Clinton fanboy. Anything you heard me talk about DeWitt Clinton, I yep. got from a text message from him. He just, oh, okay. he loves he loves all things DeWitt Clinton, but he also runs Albany Archives. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, check out Albany Archives on Spectrum News, he does have a Proctor's uh, ghost story uh, evening that he did. So I would check that out because uh, I'm not going to do it justice. <laughs> but one thing we talked about was Schenectady. Uh, so I also have a strange fascination with uh, Irish vampires specifically. Yes. We talked about that. Uh, if you really want me to go off on it, you know, hear me talk about it, I will be at the Irish Museum. Um, I don't know when this podcast will go up, but Tuesday the... Hopefully in about two days or so. Oh, okay. So Tuesday the October 9th, uh, I will be at the Irish Museum talking about Irish vampires and Bram yes. Stoker. But there is a historian that I refer- look at uh, who also loves Irish vampires, but he did an offshoot on American vampires. He brings up a Schenectady vampire. Ooh. I was so excited to see it in the index. It was mold. It was vampiric yes. mold, mold in a basement. And we did discuss this a little bit before the we started talking. Right, and as we talked about, Schenectady floods a lot, so I don't know what it was about this particular mold in a basement they kept scrubbing it away it kept coming back you'd get tired it would like suck your energy um so schenectady has beautiful wonderful ghost stories um uh, louis jones albany archives they will tell you i'm gonna leave you with schenectady vampiric mold yes (laughs) so vampiric mold i really hope that's true 
<laughs> yeah, I'll have to send you the article. It's pretty, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Stories from a Bar. I'd like to thank my guest, Maeve McKenney. 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 <laughs> Damn it. Johnson. I got the Johnson part right. But you got the Johnson. Okay. Uh, thank you again for being on the show. It's been, uh, I appreciate you hanging out, having some drinks, sharing some ghost stories. Yeah, anytime. Yes. Uh, if you want to follow me on the original Albany Ghost Tour, uh, that's where you can find my haunted happenings. Uh, and then albany.org for all of our other cool regional events that we're doing. Uh, and as I mentioned somewhere earlier in the podcast, be sure to follow their Twitter. Ooh, that's how I found Discover Albany. Mm-hmm. Twitter, all- Instagram, Facebook. Yes, that's it. You'll find a bunch of cool events you don't even know that are going on. Yeah. Uh, Thanks again to the awesome people here at Pearl Street Pub for letting us hang out and record. Be sure to check them out. Check out their website and Facebook to keep tabs on all the cool stuff they have going on. Thank you, everyone out there, for checking out the show. You can find Stories from a Bar on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the social medias, as I like to say, at StoriesFAB. You can also email the show at StoriesFAB at Yahoo.com. Always looking for interesting guests and people to talk to, awesome stories. Let's have some drinks. Let me know what you think of the show, anything like that. And finally, you can find the show on iTunes, Podbeam, Stitcher, Google Play, and even YouTube now. People in the old days didn't have YouTube, so you should appreciate it even more. Yeah, we covered that a lot on this podcast. We did. We actually (laughs) talked. That was not intentional. So be sure to subscribe, and even more importantly, leave a fantastic review because the show is that good. So until next time, cheers. Cheers.